Hey, y'all, before we get started, if you haven't connected with us over on Instagram or Twitter, it is at NFTs, number four, newbies. Again, NFTs for newbies. We post a lot of behind the scenes stuff, some extra tips and tricks and education around this crazy world of Web3 and NFTs. Find us on Instagram or Twitter, NFTs for newbies. Hey everyone, whether you're listening or watching, welcome back to NFTs for Newbies. Today we have Tom Bill you on. Seriously, this is going to be an insane interview. It's about 60 minutes, so just so you know that in advance. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick background because when Heather and I are invited to go into his studio at his home in magical California, we are not going to waste time saying, tell us about how you got your start. Like, no, 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 no. We already know that. I'm going to give you very quick context in case you don't know about this guy who's the entrepreneur's entrepreneur and very much a North Star for Heather and I. Went to film school. Uh, didn't necessarily work out in his favor. He just wanted to get rich with a couple other guys. So he partnered with these guys and did security software. After about eight years, things were going really well, but he was just not fulfilled. He was willing to trade in all his equity to just walk away. They took him to dinner. They're like, hey, dude, let's figure something else out. Well, Tom had been obsessed, obsessed with nutrition because he had family members who were morbidly obese. So they figured out a way to make protein bars that tasted good, that were healthy for you, but had no sugar. They did that. Five years later, they sold that shit for a billion dollars. One billion dollars. That led to Tom starting Impact Theory with his wife, Lisa, which uh, essentially is a way to ensure adolescence are educated and have exposure to a growth mindset. Okay, so that is his entire goal. Now, he wants to be the next Disney. He's got his hands in a lot of different things, and he always talks about he doesn't care about Disney's head start. He's onto something special. Well, NFTs came along, and he realized he can fast forward that timeline to catch up or to build his own Disney significantly with the use of NFTs. So he launched his founder's key, and not long after that was Merry Mods. Okay, so Tom is on the precipice of very, very special things, it seems like, at all times. And uh, it was no exception when we were there and got to talk to him about the future of NFTs, mental health in the Web3 world, and what you should be looking out for as this thing evolves. This is just a completely different and smart take, and it's not a newbie take whatsoever. So enjoy and let us know what you think. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs, but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I were true, true NFT newbies. We're going to break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're going to cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you, and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. One of the, one of the quotes that I wrote down that you said in, a, in another interview was that, and this is an NFT podcast, you're passionate about NFTs, but you made this statement we need to stop talking about NFTs and start talking about Web3. Mm. Which I was like, <laughs> can you elaborate on that? What do you mean? Yeah, so a lot of that was spurred from me being very uneasy with how much of the conversation is financial. And that's, look, that's a huge part of it. I'm not throwing shade at it. But when I look at what I know about human behavior, there's a much bigger conversation for this to become what I really hope that it will become. There needs to be emotional attachment as well. And there needs to be a deep understanding of the technology. And so getting people to understand when, when you start talking about NFTs, I think it right now is predominantly a trader mode. And again, like that's amazing. And I love how much attention and money and everything that that's brought into the space, which has brought in infrastructure, which is absolutely critical if you're gonna build amazing things. You have to have both the attention and the incentive for, for people to build. But I was just thinking, you know, for this not to be a flash in the pan, it's going to have to be something that's richer. And I think Web3 probably won't be the thing that ends up sticking, but it's certainly more uh, encompassing than just NFTs. You also mentioned uh, NFTs are technology layers, and we're trying to kind of let our audience know that we're not necessarily NFT ambassadors as much as we are like blockchain technology and like the possibilities. Right now, it's kind of like 
you are only limited by your imagination. Mm. Now, at the same time, I think it was you and Raul, and uh, you were saying you're a little, you're more invested in Bitcoin than NFTs by a factor of fifty. Yeah. At what least. are what are some of us missing uh, in terms of kind of really being bullish strictly on NFTs and not necessarily the outer kind of rings of that? Okay, so this is where I will state very aggressively, I'm not a financial advisor for a reason. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) let's just be very clear that I think I'm good at making money. I don't think that I'm very talented yet at investing money. So I'll walk people through my thesis, but people should really like go find somebody that really knows what they're doing. (laughs) Uh, And so I think there's a huge analogy to be drawn between day trading in the stock market and what people are doing in the world of NFTs. And just as the vast majority of humans that try to day trade in the stock market get obliterated, I think that day traders in NFTs are going to get obliterated. And so as somebody who my mission in life is to help people and to add value and to see people better for having encountered these ideas that I try to bring to the forefront than they would be had they not encountered them, I can't help but fear. And I saw a stat like a month and a half ago that was like less than 5% of all wallets hold some freakish amount of all the gains, like north of 90%. So you have this tiny number of people, just as you do in the stock market, making the vast majority of the money. So most people would be way better off finding a few things that they're going to set and forget, right? You're just going to buy, you're going to hold and let the rest take care of itself. And in trying to day trade, I think people are just going to get crushed. And so I'm super worried about that. And people are putting an uncomfortable amount of their net worth into this stuff. And I would say that NFTs are about the riskiest, worthwhile asset class I can think of. So it's amazing. And I'm glad people are paying attention to it. It's absolutely incredible. I'll put it in a small bucket of things that are worthy of your consideration. But having said that, it's also insanely volatile. And so To think that any one of us is going to be able to pick the winners is scary to me as somebody who wants to see things end well for people. So when I look at some of the stuff that's going on in cryptocurrency, I have way more confidence. Even that, I would say, like, be careful, only put in what you can afford to lose, all of that stuff. But if somebody were to come to me and say, look, I'm going to put, you know, 20% of my net worth, whether that's $10 or $100,000, I'm going to put that into something in this new space that all round to web three, what should I put it in? My personal answer would be the most blue chip of blue chip currencies that you can get, which for me, again, I don't consider myself an expert in this, but for me, that's Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's actually a question that we had was talking about the wealth gap. And I've heard two different arguments for it. I've heard to your point, what you just said, it almost stretches the wealth gap because people who are able to in you know invest in crypto and NFTs so forth have obviously an advantage than the single mom in Detroit who you know doesn't have the resources uh, but also too and I believe you said in a, another interview that you believe um, that NFTs are going to create a thriving middle class and there's an opportunity there to actually uh, shorten the wealth gap and I know I'm missing something there of, of my understanding but can you kind of fill us in there yeah so I really hope I'm right on that And for anybody that's watching what's going on right now, I think we're in a very delicate and unnerving period of humanity. There is a uh, a Chinese curse, proverb, however you want to look at it, says, may you live in interesting times. And for better or worse, I think we're living in interesting times. And there is a tremendous disparity between the haves and have nots. But... I think that Web3 is the thing that allows the single mom in Detroit to have a shot. Because, so I got wealthy in in a fairly interesting way by my perspective, which is I didn't get wealthy slowly over time. I got wealthy in literally one moment. And so, you know, it was obviously a decade and a half of work that led to that one moment. But it was like, you, when you're building equity in a company, you don't have anything to show for it tangibly because you're just reinvesting into the company. And so we'd been, I was worth hundreds of millions of dollars on paper, but in my day-to-day life, not so much. And so it was literally, you know, refreshing on the banking app because we took, we sold a small piece of the company, but at a value of over a billion dollars, a small piece is a huge dollar amount. And so it goes from like normal, normal, normal to, whoa, oh my God, like, you know, I've got this money. And so then people come out of the woodwork 
saying like, hey, come invest your money and all this stuff. And I thought, wow, I need to be a good steward of this money. Like, let me start figuring this stuff out. And so I started researching investing, which I had not done this. So this is me in my mid thirties. Like I had exactly one retirement plan, get rich. That was it. Like I didn't save a dime until that point. Terrible strategy. I am not advising it. (laughs) Just saying that was the experiment that I've run in my life. And as I started really researching it and taking it seriously, I realized that you have to have a million dollars in liquid net worth in order to invest in private companies. And I was like, wait, what? Like, why would you do that? You're making the assumption that because I know how to make money, that I know how to invest money. And conversely, you're assuming that because someone hasn't made money, that they don't know how to invest money. That doesn't make sense. Those skill sets are completely detached, in my opinion. And so when I stopped and looked at it, I actually asked, I I forget who I was talking to at the time, but I was like, why are people not rioting in the streets over this? Because this is how you trap people, is you deny them ownership. Now, ownership is the only path to wealth. Now, we can ask the question, what do you own? Is it real estate? Is it cryptocurrency? Is it NFTs? You know, whatever. But if you don't own something, you will forever be trading time for money. Okay, so now you get Web3 coming along, you get cryptocurrency, you get NFTs, and the average person, because there's no regulation, which is good and bad, But because there's no regulation, the single mom in Detroit can go buy something and now she owns it. Now that can be a skin in a video game, that can be uh, a founder's key, like whatever the case may be, but they own something. And now whatever happens to that value, they're in control of it. They get to sell it, whatever. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. This now overcomes that thing where I can't believe people aren't riding in the streets to everybody out there. How are people not riding in the streets? Since I know I can't call for violence, make it a peaceful demonstration. (laughs) Uh, But I, I literally, that's insane to me that people aren't just up in arms over the fact that there are governmental regulations. And I get it. They're designed to protect them. But there are governmental regulations that refuse to allow people to own something. And so now they're only available to get it once it's in the public market. And by then a lot of the value has already been stripped out of the the opportunity. And so I found that very frustrating. And because I knew that I was still so wildly ignorant about investing, I was aghast that they were trusting me to be able to invest my money when I knew nothing about investing and that there were kids 18 years old, you know, like with gigabrains that could invest if only they were given the opportunity. And so I just really found that obnoxious. So now flash forward, you know, even deeper, I'm really looking at what's going on from a macro trend perspective. I'm starting to get really uneasy about the division here in the US. COVID hits, I have an existential crisis as a podcaster about like, what should I be talking about right now? I'm at the beginning of the pandemic. I was legitimately like, I wasn't in tears because I'm not a crier, but like I was, I had that kind of emotional state of like, yo, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to get destroyed by this. And I need to start figuring out who's got the insights because it isn't me. So I'm having all these like high level financiers and I'm like, yo, what does the average person do? Like, how do they crack this nut? And none of them could speak to it. And I was like, oh my God, like this is getting hopeless. Like you've got people talking about these huge macro trends and no one can explain like how you get into the ownership game. And so I'm like fumbling my way through trying to like figure out how to interview these guys to like really tease out something that would be usable for the average person. Web3 comes along. And so now you can understand why I'm like pouncing on this moment of like, wait a second, there's all this crazy division. The division is largely driven by a populist movement. Populist movements always come along when you have these huge disparities in wealth. And so how do we get a thriving middle class back? I hear people throwing ideas. None of them seem like they're going to work. And this was the first one where I was like, wait a second, you can make a picture of a monkey that people who grew up playing video games and watching movies and animation would love and it's ownership. And like, this is like a whole new game. And so I realized what was going on with NFTs and Web3 in a larger way is you're bringing the aesthetics of a generation that was raised by parents who grew up playing video games. And I cannot overstate, like I say that a lot and there's never any sort of recognition on people's faces, but that's completely morphed what we think of as 
cool, legitimate, whatever. And we're now seeing this sort of cyber spring of people who have long felt connected to this type of aesthetic, be able to sort of live it out, not just in a PFP way, but actually to own it, to invest in it in a way where they're, they're putting a huge portion of their net worth into it. And it's this, it, it's tied to gaming in ways that I don't think people yet understand. And as we continue to roll out what we're doing with Founders Keys, people are going to understand at least my vision. My vision could be wrong, but they're going to understand how I see the world and where I think all of this is going. So it's like, you're building a video game using monkeys is like the face of this whole thing. Oh, and by the way, this is the thing that's going to bring back a thriving middle class. So it's like this whole moment that's super weird. And I am very tempted to believe that I live in the matrix because it's just- Word, so word. Come on, Rich. I, know. It's like, I, don't, I forgot what I was going to say, even though it was written down. So here's, I'm fascinated, like really, really fascinated by the manner in which I see people- investing, like just scooped up this whatever. I'm like, you have that kind of money? Oh, you just invested last week. So I like to think of it like this. Obviously, you're very into nutrition and fitness. If I lived in California again, and I went to a 24-hour fitness, and Tom was at the front desk, and he tried to convince me that for $4,000, I could get a membership, and over the course of however many years, like, dude, don't worry. You're going to get personal training perks. You're going to get first into our spin class. You're going to get a planned diet for you. You're going to be first on the list for all these things. I'd be like, I'm out. Like, are you out of your mind? $4,000. But when people hear one ETH or 0.5 ETH, it doesn't register the same. I'm like, do you know how many pairs of Jordans that is or whatever, (laughs) right? So like, it fascinates me that people are comfortable with these like decimal points of Ethereum, which is actually thousands of dollars. Like, why do you think that behavior is the way it is and why people are probably taking more risks than they have to be? Well, so now you're getting into the gems equation, right? So once you translate your money into something, you mentally spent it to transition it from USD to ETH. So that like sweaty moment of like, oh my God, do I do this? That you've already done that. And so all of your friends were like, yo, ETH is the place to be, brah. So <laughs> the, the hard decision was, do I turn it into these, you know, the magical internet money? Now, whenever a company can get you to do that, whether it's, uh, you know, literal gems with like Vivi, who I think is just smashing it. Those guys are amazing. More people need to pay attention to what they're doing. And I own exactly zero VVs, So I'm not pumping a bag here. I'm just very impressed. Or Chuck E. Cheese tokens. It doesn't matter what it is. Like once you turn it into, you know, the game token that you're going to go play, it's like you've already made that decision. And then the thinking is right now we're living through a really brutal time where, If you get it right and it goes up, it goes up fast. And so you can get these super quick hits, dopamine rush, you're super enthusiastic. And there is, you know, FOMO, all of these like psychological principles. And right now, it's really interesting. Right now, there is a huge, and look, this is just me swagging things here. So if somebody did an actual study, maybe I would be wrong, but I think this will resonate with people that a lot of the really engaged people that I find in NFT day trading are also like, they love poker and they love gambling. And they love poker specifically because it's very strategic, it's skill-based, it's not just blind luck, it's not like putting something on the roulette wheel, but they like the deep dive, they like the calculus, they wanna look at it, like who's the team, what have these people been on before, what's the energy, you know, looking at the, the activity and like really coming up with their own formulas and all that stuff. And so, it's like the good and the bad of gamification, right? Gamification is incredibly powerful. You can point it at something super meaningful. You can point it at something that gets people to make silly decisions. But that, you know, it's the, the principle of gamification is agnostic. So you've got incredible projects that are making millionaires, that are changing lives. And some of the like, the tone being set in the space is being set by people that had early wins in Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, like Solana, they had just a huge win and they a thousand X their money. And so now not only is it magical internet money, but it's magical internet money that you 1000 X. And by the way, I'm such a believer in this. And so I, people often read my comments when I talk about trading or whatever, they think I'm being negative, just is what it is. There's good and bad to it. And let me tell you, if you thousand X your money, it's good, baby. It is all good. 
but understanding that that will set a tone, right? So then people start splashing money around. They start looking for that next big win. And look, volatility is where the opportunity is. And so if you can stomach, the reason that I got into Bitcoin and Ethereum is because it's volatile. And I knew that I could live through a four or five or 10 year down cycle, right? So, and just for the record, I only invested what could go to zero and it's not going to upset my life. Just to be clear that I play by my own advice here. So, but anyway, this creates this incredible moment. It's really fun. Like if you've hit and won, it makes you want to chase that next one, which again, I get, like I'm, I don't have a beef with it at all, but I do want to see people take a certain amount of money that they can lose. And then if you get a big win, take out your original principal and just play with the house money, right? That way, if you end up getting knocked back down to zero and I advise, don't do any of this on leverage, like in my life, it can only go so wrong because I have zero leverage. I don't, not a single dime in debt. And if people play a safe game like that, then it's like, go crazy, have fun. And hopefully one or two hit and you, you know, you get that magical story. But man, I don't want to see people put themselves in a rough spot. If you have zero debt or you're already demonstrating you're financially responsible, though, to where you could gamify this whole thing and it not be a painful experience anytime you drop ETH or have to move money from Coinbase to your wallet or whatever. So like, I think what you're saying, I mean, what I'm taking away, I at one point very recently had no debt and then we reinvested in home because we're like, this is a crazy deal. But I loved that moment because I'm like, I could do whatever the fuck I want right now. I love not owing anyone. But if you're going into NFTs with that feeling like I have to make this win, you're probably on the wrong foot. And I'm glad you brought up the almost like addiction element to where people who like day trading are also usually into gambling and so forth. And big picture wise, I had wrote down about just the mental health implications of what's going on, because even outside of I'm going to invest in X NFT project and whatever the underlying technology of it, smart contracts is game changing in the sense of like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like we're moving towards a space where there's going to be a lot of uh, instant gratification. Uh, Somebody the other day we were talking to says, isn't it crazy to think that you get in a fight with your spouse one day, literally if the smart contract, get a divorce and sell your house on the blockchain like that. And it almost be instant. And we were kind of laughing about it, but I was like, (laughs) but I was like, that's, that's the reality. And I know you're big into mindset and just the well-being of humanity. And I'm really excited about this tech. And I know that you are too, but also too, my mind goes to like, from, you know, the perspective of us being a better society and raising our consciousness and being better people. What are the implications here? And then like, is there any way to start kind of safeguarding ourselves and start teaching some of the skill sets we'll need to navigate Web3 in a productive, healthy way? Wow. So I think this is going to be a huge conversation in 2022 around Web3 and mental health. I think you're going to see a lot of projects implode and a lot of emotional devastation with the people that end up losing, the people that really were trying to do something and just couldn't pull it off. So I think that, yeah, it's going to be intense. And then you've also got the, just you're on that hamster wheel. Like we started making different decisions in our discord because we would be playing a game and thinking it's a lot of fun and everybody's having a good time. Right. And people are like, yo, I haven't slept. And at first I thought they were kidding. (laughs) Yeah. And then I realized, whoa, like they're serious. Yeah. And as somebody who just knows everything is downstream of sleep. So it's like, if you're not getting sleep, you can't have the right emotions, like legitimately just at a neurochemical level, you're not going to be able to do the right thing. So I do worry about that, but look, rad things are rad and they're going to draw you in. And I think ultimately, while each of us as creators need to be thoughtful. So like, I think a lot about gamification now, and I want to make sure that as we gamify things, it is designed to draw you more deeply into our world. And so the thing that I hold myself accountable to is drawing you into my world needs to be better for you but I am using the principles of gamification, the very thing that people use to get you to play more video games or to get you to go back to the casino. Like we are doing those things. And so I think creators have to be really thoughtful about that. I think, um, you know, doing things in your discord that allow people to get sleep, that's going to be meaningful, but it's going to be a real problem. And ultimately everything boils down to the individual and everybody has to take responsibility for themselves. Now, just like you're not going to see me manufacture cigarettes, I would highly encourage people as creators to be thoughtful, to be able to look nakedly at what you're doing and feel good about it so that you're not 
doing things, you know, you're not doing something bad for people and saying, well, it was up to them. And, you know, they could have chose not to do it. I think that each of us will sleep better if you take a different approach. But yeah, ultimately all of life comes down to the individual taking responsibility for themselves and saying, you know, look, I'm in charge of my own mental health. And to just recognize that all the money in the world, all the money in the world, it cannot touch how you feel about yourself. And ultimately how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself is all that matters. And, and I mean that literally. So money solves money problems. Money's amazing. It's actually more powerful than people think. I want even more money than I have. It's an extraordinary thing. But all money does is let you build, buy, create. That's it. And so every insecurity that you have will follow you, no matter how much money somebody gives you. If you hate yourself, you will still hate yourself with all the money in the world. And so recognizing that the thing that will torture you is how you feel about yourself. If you believe you're worthy of respect and you love yourself and all, and you've earned that in yourself, you're not just repeating it sort of, you know, trying to get there. You actually have done things you believe are worthy of respect and love and admiration, and therefore you respect, love, and admire yourself, then you could lose all of your money and it would suck, but you would be fine, right? So like, that's one of those, again, going back to the way that I got wealthy, where it's like in a moment, I realized, whoa, all the things that I was insecure about nine seconds ago, I'm still insecure about now with all this money. So it like, it literally doesn't matter and it will follow you wherever you go. It's kind of like that idea that, oh, if I move to a new city, I'll feel better. No, no, like whatever's bothering you in that city is gonna follow you to the new city. And so, yeah, people have to be very thoughtful to spend a lot of time focused on mental health, which means you're gonna have to, you know, step out of that world because it can be so all-consuming. Hey newbies, our friend Sean has made an online course called NFTs Simplified. So consider it an extension of the things that we've tried to help you do. Now this course is gonna cover a few things and we wanna tell you about it because it is very affordable and it is very worthwhile. So obviously we're gonna cover what an NFT is, how to transfer Ether crypto into your wallet, how to buy an NFT, NFT security basics, all so that you can do the things you want. Some of you wanna make money, some of you wanna invest money, some of you wanna make sure your NFTs and your monies are safe. And that's exactly uh, why we're pairing up with Sean for this. So there will be five video lessons and there's also plenty of course handouts and notes. Uh, I'm looking at some of the reviews right now. Here's one from Haleem saying the course is great. I love the graphics and wish I had time to watch all this before I tried to do it myself. So there's additional reviews just like that, that made us confident to partner with him and to offer this course to you for 19 bucks. Okay. That's about three Starbucks grande drinks. Okay. So think about it, 19 bucks to keep your NFTs safe, to get you some of that extended knowledge that you want and to just have a course from someone who is driven to help you. So we'll link it in the show notes. See you next time. I like how you said that the creator needs to be proud of what we're making. And the thought came to my mind of like, when you did the Christmas trees, like decorating, like my little girls, like we, they helped us decorate that. And that's like a way to create community around what you're doing, like physically creating community. Like they did that with us. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to highlight that yeah. point. Are you making something you're proud of and promoting yeah. family time, mental health? 100%. We, we make these crazy NFTs just to don't show our audience. Don't tell them about that. <laughs> I'll tell them later, but they're not PFPs. They're crazy NFTs and we do YouTube videos on them. And now we're including our families. We're like, it's much more relatable if they see my daughter yeah. smashing eggs on my head, you know, and, yeah. and making an NFT out of it. But uh, I want to transition a little bit to leadership and NFTs. Um, we're both founders, key holders, and I was insanely hyped. I'm like, got it. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I can't afford it right now. So I got in later. And then not long after that, there was a 15 tweet thread of you explaining how you were going to try and make things right. And I'm like, Tom doesn't have to make anything right to anyone, number one, but there is massive expectations from people in your community or people in communities like yours when the founder is doxxed, when the founder is present, when the founder has a track record. And they're like, hey, dude, like, why isn't this 5 ETH by now? So anyway, so it took a dip and then you went on this thread and I'm like, he's so legit. This is ridiculous. Like you're, you're standing, you said you put your whole reputation on the line for this and it's going to go on forever. Can you talk to me about what NFT projects can do when they encounter these situations when maybe they don't have the track record you have and haven't been trying to build the next Disney? Yeah. So here's the good news. We haven't spent 
I mean, I think we paid, we had like a contract or something that we paid a small amount of ETH to, but we effectively haven't spent any of the ETH. And that's easy for me to do. That isn't easy for 99.99999% of people. And the other scary thing is it won't, there will come a time where, you know, assuming the project does what I want it to do, there will come a time where I wouldn't be able to, like right now in my back pocket, I know I could buy every key and never have to worry, right? And so that gives me an insane amount, like even just saying that I have the chills. So that gives me an insane amount of comfort and like I can come in and just do my thing and I know that I'm never gonna rug people, right? So that's really easy. What do you do though, when to really give it a go, you had to spend the ETH to hire people, right? Because I'm hiring people like mad. We're spending insane <laughs> amounts of money to build out the project. And I can do that without spending the ETH that we made, but most people cannot. And so now that's where I get scared. And that's why I worry about people going in so hard on a project is if they run out of money trying to build it and it doesn't work and it doesn't go anywhere, like there will become a point where they can't keep going mm -hmm. and they won't be able to buy it back. And I get it, man. Like I'm, I would be as torn up for the, if assuming they sincerely were giving it a shot, I would be as torn up for the, the creator as I would be for the people that lost money, right? Like they gave it a shot. They went out on the field. They fucking bled for it. Like they really tried to do something and that's hard. And so- Look, without throwing any shade on people, like my thing is just, you can't rug, right? Like you, you at least have to try. And so if you intentionally rug, that's, that sucks, sinister. If you unintentionally rug gnarly, it's going to happen a lot. And I don't think I, I, in fact, I can just say for myself, I would not be comfortable being in a position asking people to back something that I couldn't make good on. You see what I mean? So, but that I understand that I'm in a very weird situation. I want to elaborate on that a little bit. If I launch my project and two weeks after I launch, number one, it still hasn't sold out. It's maybe 50% down. And then the floor price is now half of what Mint was. And I had every resource, every, every piece of content, every connection I ever made. I'm like, please guys, like this is going to be worth it. And I can theoretically make good on my promise. Like where's the decision point? Like at what point do I say, I'm folding. I'm so sorry I let you guys all down or just hang with me. You know, like that's like the moment of truth. Like, how do you approach that? Yeah. So if I wasn't in my situation, whoa, what would I really do? What I would do now. So anybody listening, if you're considering doing something, I would really go out cheap so that you're not going to get yourself into a position. Like you build a project where you don't need massive resources to build it out to see if it's going to work. That way, one, if somebody comes in on the project, at least we're talking, it's got a way better chance of going up, right? So if you buy something for me at three ETH, getting that to six ETH is gonna be hard, right? That's gonna take time. That's gonna really, like you have to do something incredible. But to go from 0.01 to 0.02, like that's a lot easier. And so that's going to mean you have to dial back the scope of your project. But for every Azuki, man, I've got to imagine there's 110 ones where they went out hard, like real talented people that really had a shot, made something beautiful. It just didn't land. It didn't connect. It didn't capture the zeitgeist. There was no wave, whatever. And now what do you do, right? So yeah, I would start out way cheap, but that means that you're going to have to Either, and I've been thinking about this a lot, like is somebody better off? And I actually don't know. So I'm thinking out loud. I want people to understand that. Would you be better off taking a bigger backend percentage, call it 20% and go out with a dirt cheap project that you know, I'm only gonna be able to do this off of the royalties. People are gonna have to understand that I'm gonna share only in success, right? So I'm not making my quick four to five mil on the front and then hope that we get something you know, going. I'm going to take virtually, you know, nothing on the upfront just to, you know, get the right people into the project. And then I'm going to make mine up on the back end. That's something that I think would be an interesting model to see people experiment with. I don't know though, if people will go for it because they're going to look at that and be like, oh man, it's got to go up by, you know, X amount more because now I've got the 20% fee or whatever. So there's a lot of question marks around that, but I would be super nervous personally to be in a position where people could conceivably just get mauled. 
You know what I mean? Like that, that wouldn't be a great place. We had a world of women on recently. And, you know, one thing you just said, I kind of want to make clear for the audience. And I think this is a conversation that's starting to come up. They said, we're a startup. We're a brand. They didn't ever refer to themselves as an NFT project. And I think that's like, and that's a whole different thing. And, and, you know, with impact theory and like where you come from and where we come from, but you are now effectively an entrepreneur. So like that model you just mentioned is every business that's ever started, right? Like you don't make a ton on the front side. You make a ton on the backside if you do things right for a very long fucking time. So I I think it's like a good conversation that we're going to continue to push a little bit that you are now a business owner if your project gets any traction whatsoever. And that's how you're going to have to look at it. The same way you would want to serve a community, the same way you'd want to keep people happy, the same way you want to provide value long term. That's how it looks. He just said the key word, community. And I'm going to try not to make this entire rest of conversation about community because I'm just fascinated with it. I, I know that you, again, the leverage you have is you've spent years building trust with people. Like when you came out with the project, we're like, oh, Tom has a project. Cool. Yeah, like, easy. you know, I, mean, I just <laughs> met you, but we've, we've gotten to know you over several years and your community has as well. And when you're starting off fresh as like an artist or creative, maybe you haven't spent that time building brand community and trust. And so there's a lot of people asking the question, people listening to the show and stuff, like what are the most effective ways to build community? And there's a lot of research on like, you don't Google Web 2 because I, I, I never used Web 2 until Web 3 came out. But <laughs> if you if you Google community building, like in the online space, kind of the traditional stuff comes up and everything. And the question I had for you is looking at Web 3, are you seeing or maybe predicting any skill sets that those of us who want to build strong communities are going to have to learn? Oh, yes. Oh, so the different, and I learned this by getting kicked in the face. The different, so I had my entire career, the the house that we're in now is because I understood community. And then I realized I understood audience. I didn't understand community. And so once you start looking at Web3, Web3 is about community. Community meaning they want to engage. They want to create with you. They want a reason to be in your Discord. And it isn't just, oh, there's other cool people here. And giving people something to do. And this is the key. It has to be the kind of thing that is bringing them value in the way that you want your project to bring them value. And so obviously for us, that's mindset, it's empowerment, but you have to get extraordinarily good at creating gamification and engaging content and giving people a reason to come back and do something. Now, the thing that they do needs to be in alignment with the project that you're building. And so I did not understand that when we launched a project, I was very used to people consuming the content and being like, yo, this changed my life. Thank you. That's amazing. And it's not like it was just passively consuming a Netflix show. I wasn't thinking of it like that. It was meant to be this incredibly meaningful exchange of like, hey, here are these ideas. They've been wildly impactful in my life. And I hope that they impact yours. And then when people came to the Discord, it was like, yo, we want to build this with you. We want to create with you. But what is there for us to create? And we were like, hey, it's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Like we're building it. And I had been so repetitive in the lead up to the project. Hey, this is a long-term play. Like we're building something out. This is going to take a long time. And just did not embrace the truth that you can't change behavior. You should be trying to leverage it. And so if I had really understood the difference between audience and community, I would have been ready with things for them to do. And without things to do, then they're just asking when moon, right? Yeah. And so then it's just a a totally different conversation. So um, that understanding engagement, gamification, giving people a reason to be there daily and tying it to whatever the mission of the project is. And that's, that, that is hard. But if you can do it, you're golden. Gamification, you've said that like five times. Can you just elaborate a little bit more how I would use gamification specifically? If I'm not, I'm not a gamer, okay? Super Mario World was like as far as I went. <laughs> so your girl's struggling over here. But if I were to like implement gamification into building a community, like what are some things I could do? Yeah, so to quote Tony Robbins, the foundation of human happiness is progress. Without progress, you will fail to thrive. And so if you want to gamify something, you're simply giving people the sense of making progress. Measurement. So you want to um, variable rewards, right? They talk about this in gambling. They talk about this in training dolphins. It's you want to give people something that takes them right past the edge of their ability. So it's, it's a little hard, but not too hard. And then when they get it right, they get a reward. 
and that reward is variable. And so when you get that now, people are like, yo, I want to come back. I want that feeling because you're tapping into the, the dopamine system, which people think is reward. It isn't reward. It's anticipation. You have to make people want you just blew my mind. Well, like a golden ticket, right? Like, like, like you might get a golden ticket. This might mean your 0.01, whatever investment in a relentless could turn to this. And now if you really want to gamify that shit, get them to do something where they get more entries into that. So as they do more, they have a higher likelihood of winning. So now people are going to go and do what they call grinding to like level up, right? So leveling up is a huge mechanic because it makes you feel like you're making progress. And if at level 10, I have a better chance of winning the golden ticket than I do at level one, then it's like word. And so now you create this, okay, cool. And I'm level two, I'm level three. And this is why Discord has like those levels and you can see where you're at and there's all kinds of ways that you can get people going, but what you want to trigger is that desire. You want them to want that next level. You want them to want that next reward. That's what makes dopamine so powerful, but it's also what makes gamification this really dangerous game where you can get people into this mental health destroying loop of like, yo, I've got to get in, I've got to grind, yes, I've got to put yes. in the work. And you don't want to do that. And so the mantra that we have at Impact Theory is as we gamify the founder's keys, if you're winning at Impact Theory's gamification, you need to be winning at life. And so if you're winning in our gamification and it's destroying your relationships and you're losing sleep and all of that, then we have not gamified it in the right way. And so we're really trying to be thoughtful about that. Uh, but at the same time, you have to accept what human nature is. And if you don't, you're not one of the discords that will get attention, right? So it's going to go to somebody else. Like people are going to spend their time because this is such a cool moment. It's such a big deal. Like these communities are incredible. A lot of these projects are amazing. And going back to the concept of ownership, like this is the future. And so we just have to do it in a way, or I would encourage people to do it in a way that elevates people as much as possible. Amen. I mean, speaking of Discord, right now, at least in my opinion, I, I've been seeing we like- We struggle in Discord. <laughs> oh man, dude, it's, it's a beast. It's like oh, a big man. blog. But like, coming out with a project, everyone's like, what do we need to start a great project? Or how do we look for a good project? And we're like, okay, Discord, Docs, maybe, maybe not. Um, do they have a Twitter following? Are they present everywhere else? Background. You know, all, all, all these things. And it seems like there's already kind of a standard in place, like- Oh, not in Discord, probably not good. You know, not on Twitter, probably not good. But what do you see, at least in your opinion, as the future? Like, it can't just live in those couple places forever. And it can't always be about like, oh, I need to get on that whitelist. You know, people are going crazy trying to get on a whitelist. I'm like, before you go crazy, please know that that might go to half of mint price in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? So are you seeing any trends outwardly from what I, I'm looking at as kind of the standard pieces to a project or nomenclature, so to speak? Well, one, I want to say that I think we are so early in this game and that whatever's happening right now is not going to be relevant in a year. It's certainly not going to be relevant in three years. So the basics of what you're looking for are, and then I'm going to tell you where I think this is really headed, but the basics are going to be, yes, like what are they doing in Discord? What's the energy level like? What are they doing on Twitter? You know, what's that like? What is the project? What's the content? What's it look like? Who are the founders? For me, that's a big deal. Like, what's their background? What do they do? The more docs, the better. Because when you're docs, like, there's a lot on the line. Like, they're rugging people is, while it's still going to happen, the odds of you rugging people on purpose is effectively zero. So I think those are all the things that I'd be looking for. And then the caveat to that I'll say is cultural energy. And so that's a big thing that you're looking for in the discord, in the Twitter is like, are people hyped on this? Or are they really into it? Now, all that tells you is your odds of it going up at some point in the cycle, right? So if they're doing a delayed reveal, then you, it's going to pump to sort of the middle point between where the most valuable one is going to be and then, you know, getting a crap one. And then post-mint, usually you get the dip and then you might get the rebound back up. And so there's these moments to buy in. And so if there's a lot of hype, a lot of energy and the drop looks great, then odds are that it's going to go up. But the OG, OG, OG projects, what are they, three years, four years old? <laughs> yeah. If I told you a company was only three or four years old, like you'd be like, 
all right, hit me up when they're 10 years old yeah. at least, right? So <laughs> when I think about what it takes to run a company, like keep in mind, we're gonna go through a period in a year, maybe three years, I don't know, where legislation gets passed down. Yeah. And now there's like regulations. What are people gonna do then, right? So it could get real weird, real fast. Running a company is not easy. And when you're dealing with HR and you're scaling and taxes and like, there are some really mundane things. I've, I've said many times, boredom kills more entrepreneurs than, than fear or failure. So like, you just have to do repetitive, boring shit. Like when you get into either you're a distributed project and like you're wrangling cats or you bring people in house. I won't name the project, but I got on a call with one of the biggest projects of all time, like if you sort by all time, they're they're in the top 25 and got on a call with them. And I'm like, hey man, how's it going? He's like, terrible, fucking web three is painful. <laughs> and I was like, that is hilarious. And he was just like, oh my God, like you're just getting pecked to death all the time. And he was like, running a business is hard. And I was like, yes. And so this is where like people can gut it out for a year, two years. It's going to start to be interesting. And some of these, like they might become like the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. And then like it really moons. Like I think we're witnessing the birth of the next wave right now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get different. But right now on layer one, given those mechanics, you're witnessing the birth of the next Supreme, Louis Vuitton, Gucci. Like that's what's happening right now. And it's fascinating to see the birth of like those um, luxury brands. Now, most brands, like just most brands in everything will fail. And looking at things in such a short time horizon is funny. So to give somebody like, oh, here are the metrics and go look and where's the hype and all that. But I don't know who's going to know how to sustain it, right? Yes, so dude. that's going to be, that'll be a whole set of answers unto itself. My husband, he's one of the people in your um, Discord who's playing games all the time, your games. He won his, uh, what was it, the... Christmas Carol game. He was so excited. Nice. I called him at work and he's like, I'm playing Tom's Christmas Carol thing. And he won. He was so excited. But he told me, he said, make sure you ask about storytelling and narrative because this is your big passion. And I know we're right at time, but if you could just briefly share, you know, for those who want to make an impact through their project in Web3 with their message, the power of storytelling, the skill set of learning that. And I know your heart and mission is to touch young people and give them the tools that a lot of us weren't given as, as young people. Um, how are you using storytelling within NFTs? And do you have any like words of guidance for those who are mission-driven leaders using NFTs, how to use storytelling? Yeah. So now I'm going to predict the future. So this is where this whole thing has been so exciting to me. I grew up in the eighties and nineties and filmmaking was the height of storytelling. TV was a bit of a joke. Gaming was a totally different thing. That was just gamification experience. It wasn't storytelling. And then somewhere sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s, the game industry began to eclipse the film industry in terms of revenue. And now it dwarfs the film industry because being able to interact with the game, to participate, the level of the graphics, like it's crazy. And it's become its own art form and storytelling. So I think the metaverse is way, 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 way off in the future in terms of what people think of it as. But I think that the seeds are already here technologically. And so anybody that's building right now that's thinking about story, I'm telling you, go get involved in Unreal Engine. So Unreal Engine is going to allow you to start telling story because here's the gap everybody has to cross. There's, a, there's about seven years and $300 million between you and being a AAA game studio. And the question is, how do you cross that chasm? And most people, they raise a huge fund or you know whatever. And you'll see some people pull that off with NFTs, but if you're using the NFT as the raise, you're gonna go dark for three years at least for you to really have, like you would have had to have been working on it for years already, go dark for another three years, and then finally have a true AAA game experience. So what I think Epic is doing with the Unreal Engine, like as the more you learn about the Unreal Engine, you realize, oh my God, this is what the metaverse needs. Because right now you've got Sandbox, it's its own island. The Central Land is its own island. The technology is different. If I work in one, I'm not gonna work in the other. Everything that's coded in Unreal will work. So if you buy like our project that we're about to launch, the Avatar project, codenamed, real name coming soon, that is 
the whole experience is coded inside of Unreal Engine. And so now if you buy one of our NFTs and as the future unfolds, you wouldn't be able to do it today just because all the people building in Unreal don't have the way for the, you to communicate. So even though all of the assets would work perfectly, you have to still port them over from an aesthetic perspective. The balancing of weapons and things like that is, is different. I'm not speaking to that. But as I started looking, because we obviously assessed all the different technology out there. And I was like, hold on a second. Like Unreal Engine has already done what everybody wants. Everybody wants that composability, the portability to be able to go from one to the other. It already exists. It's called Unreal Engine. So I think what you're going to see, you're going to get projects like us. There are other projects doing very similar things. I don't know that this is where CloneX is headed, but I'm pretty sure given some of the sneak, they've shown sneak peeks that I'm almost certain are coded in Unreal Engine. And so there is a playbook that I think is coming. It's the exact playbook we're running. I have a hypothesis that there are two other big projects doing almost exactly what we're doing. It'll play out over time. But basically the playbook is create game-like experiences so that you're living inside of a game engine so that you can interact in the ways you would want, that I can gamify like you're on cyberspace, that I could gamify that, that things could happen to you, that I could introduce a story element. One day you think you're going in to look at your NFTs and hey, there's somebody else in here with me. What the hell is going on? <laughs> and now alpha, alpha all day over here on this podcast. <laughs> and... Um, that will let you stair step where you can create these really simple moments for people that deepen the story, that draw them in, that give them these game-like experiences that they can have. And all the while, if you're able to continue the monetization path, now you're able to span that you know seven years and $300 million by delivering these compelling experiences one brick at a time. And when I was looking at what Critters is doing inside of Minecraft, for instance, that was the first thing that clicked. Shout out to a man named Naveen uh, who introduced me. That's where it clicked. He was like, people are already inside Minecraft. So you don't go in and it's this empty world. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking genius. And then, I, then though broadening out, I was like, that's only one sort of texture. And that's when I started thinking about Unreal Engine. And I was like, that's how you pull this off. So um, anyway, that's, that is a, a hint at some of the things that, that we're doing and how we're thinking about this, but it's going to take time. And so, you know, that's the big question all these projects have to answer is how do I cross the chasm? Because once you start developing something like that, you either have to do it before you launch your NFT or convince your community to rock with you while you build it out. We have a couple of rapid fires at the end here. Uh, my favorite movie ever. Well, my second favorite. My first is Saving Private Ryan. Second is Inglorious Bastards. Good choices. Like, good Lord, man. I watch it once a month at least. Oh when you God. were with Quentin Tarantino, I'm like, please freaking tell me there's a collab coming somehow, some way. Dude, I, I would kill for that. I would love it. There's nothing How on the How do you not horizon, trap him in the corner and be like, hey, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> if that were a good way to play the situation, I would. But unfortunately, I know all too well that you look like a stage five clinger. So you try to plant the seed. You try to, you know, have done something That's not meaningful. how I roll, by the way. But I'm just, you know, just asking, like, dude, please tell me that. Uh, yeah, no. Truly, truly nothing, <laughs> nothing on the horizon at this point. But would I? In a heartbeat. Yeah, so we have a listener who, um, super cool to Tom LeBlaf. Thank you so much. He made you an NFT and sending <laughs> wow. it to you. It's of you. He worked on uh, Minions, minions. Oh, uh, Disney wow. and all that stuff. That's super so cool. cool. Great. So this is for you. Wow. We'll airdrop it to you in your wallet. But uh, really great human. Thank you, Tom, for uh, sending yeah. that to us. I am honored. So, Tom, thank you. That's amazing. Uh, wow. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, there you thank go. you so you much. It's fantastic. We appreciate you having us over. Dude, thanks for doing this. It's a lot of fun. Thank you.